Hi everybody, I'm Joseph Walter and this is Loving Theology. So we're in a series on God's love and suffering. And I think if you were to boil it down, the crux of the issue, and I said this in the first week, is that the, the presence of suffering can feel like evidence that he doesn't care for us, that he doesn't love us. But if there's one person's story in the Bible who I think most powerfully refutes this, it's the story of Jesus. You see, if God loved anyone in the Bible, we know that he loved Jesus, that Jesus was his son. And yet, Jesus suffered more than we could possibly imagine. So how do we reconcile those two things? How did God express his love for Jesus in the midst of his suffering? Why did Jesus have to suffer? Let's see if we can find an answer to these questions for Jesus's story. And maybe from that, we can see a few answers for our own story as well. Leading up to his arrest and crucifixion, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed this prayer to God. In Luke 22:42, it says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I can hear myself a bit in those words. That phrase, let this cup pass from me, is basically where Jesus is saying, God, please remove this suffering from me. God, please don't make me go through this. And that's a prayer that I can identify with. I pray that prayer all the time. God, please make this a little bit easier. God, this is too hard. I can't handle this. What, what was God's answer to his prayer there? In Hebrews 5, 7, it explains it. Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. So the author of Hebrews here is emphasizing the fact that Jesus was heard, that his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane was heard. Wait a minute. Um, surely he knows that uh, Jesus did have to go to the cross? So what does that mean? How was Jesus heard? What was God's answer? Let's flip back to Luke. The answer's there. In verse 43 of Luke 22, it says, There appeared to him, that's Jesus, an angel from heaven strengthening him. So in this, I think that we see what we talked about in the first week that though God didn't display his love by preventing suffering in Jesus's life, he still answered his prayer. He still responded to his call for help. And he responded to it with his presence. He sent his angels to strengthen him and to comfort him so that Jesus wouldn't be alone in going through it. So I think that that helps to answer the question of where is God in Jesus's story and what was God doing in Jesus's story? But that still leaves us with this question of why did Jesus have to suffer? And maybe in that why do we go through suffering? For the answer to that, I'm going to take us back to Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 8 and 9 says this, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, I think each verse there provides a different aspect of what suffering produced for Jesus and why he suffered. That first verse is pretty crazy. It says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. And it even acknowledges, though he was the son, in other words, though he was the son of God, he still learned obedience through suffering. Hebrews 2 verse 10 adds a little more to this whenever it says that he was made perfect through suffering. So if Jesus needed suffering in order to learn obedience and be made perfect, how much more so do I need suffering to learn obedience and be made perfect? How much more so do we need suffering to learn obedience and be made perfect? So this provides maybe the first part of the answer to why Jesus suffered or what it produced in him. And that is that it produced good in him. Hebrews 12, I think, helps to also reveal how suffering can produce good in us as well. He disciplines us for our good 
that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now that word for discipline, from the Greek root paideia, can more broadly be understood as instruction that trains someone to reach full development. So whenever God allows suffering in our life, but strengthens us in the midst of it, just as he did for Jesus. He is training us by it. He is producing good in us in those moments. So part of the reason that God allows suffering in our lives, and I wanna make it clear that it's not that he causes suffering. In other words, God uses the suffering that is going to happen to us anyway, and he turns it for good by producing good in us and strengthening us in the midst of it. I want you to hear me very carefully here. I'm not saying that he produces good for himself out of our suffering but he produces good for us. He wants us to be able to enjoy the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And just like Jesus needed suffering to learn obedience and to be made perfect, so do we need suffering to be able to be trained so that we can enjoy the peaceful fruit of righteousness, so that we can finally be at peace. Now I said that the second verse had a different aspect of why Jesus went through suffering. Let's take a look at that verse again. It says, being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. In reference to this, in Romans 5, 19, it says, by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Simply put, Jesus' suffering produces good for us as well. We talked about this last time in the way that we talked about how God redeems our suffering by giving purpose to our pain to alleviate the suffering of others. We also saw in that post that God has a plan to rescue us from our suffering forever. It makes me wonder, why doesn't he do that now? Why doesn't he rescue us now? What is he waiting for? Come on, Jesus, I'm ready. Let's do it right now. Thankfully, we don't have to wonder the answer to this question because Peter actually answers it. In, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So what that means is that the reason Jesus hasn't returned yet, the reason that he hasn't rescued us from our suffering forever now, that the reason that we still have to suffer, in other words, why we suffer, is because God is making room for others to be saved, that God is making room to rescue more people. God's desire is to rescue as many as will come to him. And he wants to leave as much room as possible. And in his wisdom, he knows how to do that. So what that means is that our suffering actually makes room eternally to alleviate their suffering forever. So whenever I think about it in those terms and I think, okay, would I go through momentary, temporary suffering, the pain that I experience here, so that someone else might have a little more time to respond, to make room for God to save them from their suffering forever? He's already promised me that he'll save me from my suffering forever. All that I'm being asked is that I would endure suffering now temporarily so that more people have time to respond to that promise so that he can rescue more people from their suffering eternally. I would go through temporary suffering to alleviate someone else's suffering eternally. And what's more is that, like we talked about before, that suffering isn't hurting me, but is actually producing good for me even in the here and now. Suffering can produce good in us, can produce good for us, can produce good for others. So when we ask the question, why do we suffer? I hope that this may be helped to illuminate it a little bit. We suffer because it produces good. It produces good for others presently by the fact that it enables us to show compassion and to help to alleviate their suffering now 
It produces good for others eternally by the fact that it makes room for God to rescue them from their suffering forever. But God doesn't allow suffering in our lives just because it produces good for others. He does it also because it produces good for us as well. It produces good for us presently by enabling us to experience the peaceful fruit of righteousness that it produces. And just like the good that it produced for others, it doesn't just produce good for us presently, it also produces good for us eternally. But I'm gonna save that one for next week. So I do wanna add this, that the good that this suffering produces in us is somewhat contingent on our response to it. Whenever we look at the story of Jesus, we see the incredible good that his suffering produced for others. And what was his example? How did he respond to the suffering that he endured? He responded with faith and obedience and patience in the midst of it. And to the extent that that is our response to the suffering that we endure, I promise, the Bible promises that it will produce good in us, for us, that it will produce good for others. So let's do that. Let's imitate Christ so that we can receive the benefit, if you will, or the good that suffering can produce in us. Next week, I've got another story that I want to look at that I think will help to illuminate the good that suffering produces for us eternally. I'm looking forward to sharing it and you won't want to miss it. So be sure to hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for joining us today.